Oral arguments took place earlier today before the United States Supreme Court in the case involving the United States Constitution's 14th Amendment, Section 3, Disqualification Clause, after Donald Trump was removed from the ballot in Colorado. The Colorado Supreme Court decision was stayed pending. Oral argument will break down everything that went down in the oral argument. Moments after Trump's lawyers argued before the Supreme Court that January 6th, was not an insurrection. Guess what Donald Trump did? He held a press conference at Mar-a-Lago where he said January 6th was an insurrection, but then spread an unhinged conspiracy that January 6th was an insurrection led by then Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. In the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit where she was awarded $83.3 million, federal judge Lewis Kaplan denied the mistrial motion filed by Trump's lawyer Alina Haba. And also Judge Kaplan entered judgment earlier today. That means it starts the timeline for Donald Trump to appeal and post an $83.3 million bond. Switching to the New York Attorney General civil fraud case, Justice Arthur Ngoron has not yet made a ruling there after some major developments. Of course, after closing argument, there was news that Donald Trump's former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, may have committed perjury in the case before Justice Arthur Ngoron. Ngoron sent some scathing emails to Trump's lawyers. Trump lawyers responded in some ways that are probably digging the hole deeper for them, and we will see ultimately where this nets out. But one of the things Ngoron hinted at is if Trump's lawyers were suborning perjury, there could be major consequences. Also, Republicans killed their own border deal. Yeah, let me repeat that again. Republicans killed their own border deal because President Biden agreed to sign it. And because Biden agreed to sign it, Trump wants there to be chaos. He doesn't want Biden to get credit for it. Trump wants to run on chaos at the border so he can complain about it. And the lead negotiator of this bill was Oklahoma Republican Senator James Lankford. Guess who? Trump endorsed him in 2022 for being, you guessed it, tough on the border. Lankford stated that he was also essentially extorted by at least one right-wing MAGA media host for leading these bipartisan negotiations. Further, the Republican special counsel investigating President Biden's uh, released his findings on the uh, documents in Biden's home. Uh, He decided ultimately there was not sufficient evidence to prosecute President Biden for document-related crimes. Unlike Donald Trump, President Biden fully cooperated with the investigation. But For his cooperation and doing the right thing, the Republican special counsel, Robert Hur, took some petty political shots at President Biden that are nonsensical and frankly don't concern me the least. I get the media is going to push that, but that's what the media is going to do. I'm going to trust my own eyes and ears and what I see. Meanwhile, you have Donald Trump doing ding, ding, swoosh, 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 ding, mommy, uh, uh, and making weird noises like that. So I, I know what I see, folks. I know you know what you see. Also, moments ago, special counsel Jack Smith filed a a pretty scathing reply after Donald Trump's team moved to extend pretrial deadlines in the Mar-a-Lago document case. Special counsel Jack Smith talks about how defendants will stop at nothing to stall adjudication of the charges against them by a fair and impartial jury of citizens. Also moments ago, President Biden went live before bringing in President Biden. Let me bring in my brothers, Brett and Jordy. 
We got Jordy. Jordy, we want to hear from you right now. How how <laughs> are you doing? Congratulations. I Thank you. All the Midas Mighty to uh, you, your wife, Lexi, your beautiful son. Jordy, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm doing great. I mean, it has just been so amazing. Thank you guys for holding it down. Thank you to the Midas Mighty for holding it down. All the well wishes. I like to thank the news media for completely shutting down over these last two weeks while I was gone. That was really nice of them too. No, I'm just, just messing. Obviously, there was news to be had and you guys did such a great job reporting on everything. Um, so thank you guys so much. And shout out to my wife, man. Shout out to my wife, Lexi. Big shout like, out to Lexi. Strongest person I, I know. I mean, just seeing what she's gone through through this whole birthing process to feeding and, and everything has been incredible. Strongest person I know. Um, shout out to mom. Mom's been here. Gigi. She's going by Gigi now, Midas Mighty. So make sure G-I-G-I. Uh, she's been helping out. And so it's just a lot of mm. sleepless nights. Everything they say is true when you have a newborn. And so it's awesome. I no longer see days. What I do is two hour feeding session to two hour feeding sessions, how I've been living my life. So thank y'all. Love you guys. Uh, the well wishes from the Midas Mighty have been so appreciated. I've seen every comment. So thank you all so much. And I'm happy to be back. He's back. Well, Jordy, it's it's great to have you back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know you were incredibly, incredibly missed. And you're right. Really, nothing has happened uh, since you've been away. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the news cycle has been you're absolutely stopped. quiet. And totally shut speak, down. speaking about that quiet news cycle, I would love to bring in the beginning of President Biden's remarks from just a few moments ago. Salty, are we able to pull that up? Um, would love to listen to what President Biden had to say earlier. As you know, the special counsel released his findings today about their look into my handling of classified documents. <clears throat> I was pleased to see he reached a firm conclusion that no charges should be brought against me in this case. This was an exhaustive investigation going back more than 40 years, even into the 1970s when I was still a new United States Senator. <clears throat> the special counsel acknowledged I cooperated completely I did not throw up any roadblocks. I sought no delays. In fact, I was so determined to give the special counsel what he needed, I went forward with a five-hour in-person, five-hour in-person interview over two days on October the 8th and 9th of last year, even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas on the 7th and I was very occupied. It was in the middle of handling an international crisis. I was especially pleased to see special counsel make clear the stark distinction and difference between this case and Mr. Trump's case. The special counsel wrote, and I quote, several material distinctions between Mr. Trump's case and Mr. Biden's are clear, continuing to quote, most notably, after giving multiple chances to return classified documents to avoid prosecution, Mr. Trump allegedly did the opposite. According to the indictment, he not only refused to return the documents for many months, he also obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then to lie about it. In contrast, he went on to say Mr. Biden turned in classified documents to the National Archives and the Department of Justice, consented to the search of multiple locations, including his home, sat for a voluntary interview, and in other ways cooperated with the investigation, end of quote. I've seen the headlines since the report was released about my willful retention of documents. This, these assertions are not only misleading, they're just plain wrong. On page 215, if you had a chance, I know it's a long, it's a thick document. On page 215, the report of the special counsel found the exact opposite. Here's what he wrote. There is, in fact, a shortage of evidence that I willfully retain classified materials related to Afghanistan. 
On page 12, the special counsel also wrote for another documents, the decision to decline criminal charges was straightforward. The evidence suggests that Mr. Biden did not willfully retain these documents. So there you have President Biden's press conference from moments ago. And look, I can evaluate that. I don't need the media or right wing talking points or a Republican United States attorney to tell me that what I saw is not what I saw. I saw someone who was smart, intelligent, thoughtful. Um, and let me compare that to let me just compare that to what Donald Trump goes around the country and does at these rallies that other than the Midas Touch Network and a handful of other independent media, legacy media ignores. So the first one I'll show you is um, Donald Trump describing uh, the United States military, something pretty serious. Play the clip. Go. These are not muscle guys here. They're muscle guys up here, right? And they calmly walk to a seat. Ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out, right? Boom. Okay. Missile launch. Boom. I mean, he goes around the country and gives these speeches where he, at this point, he's not putting sentences together. Let me start with that concept. That Trump is not even attempting to use sentences. He's doing noises. A, a ding, ding, a swoosh, a swoosh, a kaboom, a kaboom. You know, and then he moves on to the next part of his speech where he grunts and talks about a woman who's in a weightlifting room and she can't, she can't lift the weights. And he goes, mommy, mommy, I can't do it, mommy. He, and he does this as part of his stump speech. This is what he goes around the country. You're like, Ben, no way. That doesn't happen. Yeah, it does. Here, play the clip. <sighs> and they're proud. They're clapping. They're going crazy. I can't do it, mama. I can't. Boom. A powerful speech right there by uh, Mr. Trump, a very, very projecting strength, a running a very disciplined campaign there. And then uh, on the other hand, you've got President Biden giving that speech at the White House that I, I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it. I mean, that's where for me, it's just like, come on, come on. I know what's up. Um, the pro-democracy community knows what's up. Democrats, liberals, progressive, independents, people who care about normalcy, mainstream Republicans know what's up. MAGA likes that. MAGA, when he goes, oh, mommy, mommy, you know, MAGA's like, yeah, go get them. Go get them, MAGA. You know, and, and, and I'm like, okay, this is, this is really, really weird stuff. But here's the thing. Do, and here's my advice. Do not let the media bring you down. Please stay calm. Things are good. The media is trying to freak you out and to make you panic. And that's the way fascism operates. We're in this together. I'm not concerned the slightest. Let me make that clear. And when President Biden debates Donald Trump, you're going to have a thoughtful person who knows about foreign policy and domestic policy, who has a record. And then you're going to have Donald Trump say, oh, you know, I, I, I beat I beat Taylor Swift with the J Sixers. I make songs 
with the you know the you know the J absolute immunity. I'm in apps. You know absolute immunity. You know bad priests. You know the rogue cops. Just you know I need absolute immunity. Uh, uh, mommy, mommy. So, you know, and that's what you're gonna see. And it's good. That's you're giving me a lot of great gifts to make after this of you, Ben. I'm just, I gotta say too, Ben sharpened up his his Trump impression since I've been out. That's really good. I yeah, with yeah. you gone with just the two of us, right? I have to add new things to my repertoire. I love it. So I've, I've been going to practice at an acting school. I've been focused on yeah. this. And because you're saying you're saying you want Jordy, but can Jordy do this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know right? you missed I mean, him, but at, at the end of the day, you know, you look at the two candidates, and it's almost like comical in a dark way when you sure. look at the coverage here. It's like you have one individual in President Biden who was just exonerated on doing anything, right? Ex- exonerated on all charges here, who cooperated fully with an investigation, handled it exactly the way you're supposed to do it, despite the fact that he was incredibly busy dealing with the Israel-Hamas situation <laughs> and everything else in the world. Donald Trump just golfs all day and does nothing all day, right? But you actually have someone who's a, a president doing president things, who took time out of his days in order to do this interview. And then on the other side, you have Donald Trump. Trump, who willfully stole all these documents when he was confronted with it, denied it, uh, then pretended like they were his, had to be subpoenaed, had to be uh, ultimately there had to be a uh, the FBI had to go to his residence to retrieve the documents through a court warrant. You have a, he is an adjudicated rapist in court. He is somebody who is a fraud who has defrauded governments, defrauded banks. Like you have this these pictures. Of these two people. And so you have this Republican attorney general who has to throw in what I thought were these just bizarre kind of gratuitous attacks on Biden, because if he could not indict Biden on a legal level, he had to, in a way, indict him on this weird personal level. And when, as I read this, you know, I, I honestly, I was just kind of angry reading it because so much of it just felt so unnecessary and like a lot of little nothing things that were kind of blown up and misconstrued. And even like President Biden said, like they're trying to frame it as the willful retention, but then that's negated by the own report itself. Like if you look at page one on the report, it's different than page 215 on the report where it says there is a, in fact, a shortage of evidence that there was any willful retention of documents. So this whole thing seemed just so incredibly sloppily written. It was just one other big distraction. The main thing here is Joe Biden was exonerated on the documents case. He actually participated in the investigation, was cooperative, and that's that. And for this U.S. attorney, the special counsel, to try to make him have this like James Comey moment. It's honestly like a a very disturbing thing talking about weaponization of the Justice Department. It was all part of Biden's plan to weaponize it in such a way that you have a special counsel who gratuitously attacks him and then another special counsel who prosecutes his son. What a weaponized plan that, that Biden's like, you know who they really need to get my my child. But two put two <laughs> put two cases on him and then write a report that just gratuitously makes me look bad. Ah ha ha ha. You know, but by the way, that's what MAGA 
Like in MAGA world right now, that's what they are saying. Because there's always some conspiracy in MAGA world. There's there always has to be an underlying thing that's happening here. And and Brad and Ben, to your to your point here, like we have standards here at the Midas Touch Network, this pro democracy community, the Midas Mighty. You guys have standards. I think it's why we do what we do when we show these clips. We let you guys decide for yourself, right? We tell you the information as it drops, and then we play a President Biden speech, and then we play a Donald Trump speech, and then we show Donald Trump statistics about whatever legal troubles he's in. Then we show President Biden and the legal troubles that. He's not in. And so then we just let you decide for yourself ultimately because we have standards and we really truly believe in our heart of hearts that the American people deep down have standards too at large and that they wouldn't vote for a Donald Trump again because of just the lack of of moral compass that the man has. Donald Trump got the woman he raped confused with his ex-wife during a court deposition. And that does not make like a fraction of the news that these secondhand comments from Robert Hur makes in this report. Like we need to just adjust ourselves uh, for, you know, anchor ourselves to some semblance of reality here. Well, let's anchor ourselves to that reality right now, which we do here on the Midas Touch Network. Like you may go, oh, Ben, when you're doing the oh, mommy, mommy clip about Donald Trump, like like you're, you're cherry pick. I could have showed you the clip where Donald Trump talks about, you know, I'd rather be electrocuted than, than eaten by a shark. I could show you the ones where he brags about cognitive exams and he says that he's so smart because he keeps on passing the cognitive exams. And he goes, they made me list six things, a chair. <laughs> Uh, uh, vote. Uh, and then he names five things. He spends like three to five minutes talking about cognitive exams. But you go, oh, Ben, you're just cherry picking this. How about today? Well, let's start with this morning. Let's talk about after <laughs> oral arguments before the United States Supreme Court. Like this happened this morning. Donald Trump made the decision after, by the way, I thought, you know, I thought his lawyer, you know, did a did a decent worksmanlike job. I think that ultimately the Supreme Court is not going to rule that Trump is disqualified. I think they will end up reversing what the Colorado Supreme Court decided. And I think it'll probably be a seven to two decision, maybe even a nine to zero decision. It's going to be something like that. Nine zero, eight one, seven two. And while I disagree with it, you know, fundamentally I'm trying to watch these arguments and see what's being said. And ultimately, the Supreme Court seemed to be all going in the the direction is, isn't this a slippery slope? If Mm -hmm. Colorado could do it, then couldn't Texas do it to Biden? Couldn't flaw? That seemed to be where they were going. I'm not sure what their order's going to look like, but they were trying to find some technical ground, which by the way, if you've been following the Midas Touch Network, I said, this Supreme Court, no way. They're not going to end up disqualified. They're going to find some technicality. They're not going to find that Donald Trump is disqualified. By the way, which is different than what I feel when Donald Trump asserts absolute presidential immunity, which is a whole different issue. I do not think the United States Supreme Court's going to find that Donald Trump has absolute immunity. But, you know, fundamentally in today's oral argument, I think the Supreme Court failed to recognize the very fact of this was an insurrection. Fortunately, Kentanji Brown Jackson was the one who brought it up over and over again. But it was really only Justice Jackson, a Biden appointee, man, who kept on saying, yeah, but this is 
an insurrection we're dealing with. And I feel like the Supreme Court was kind of treating this like it was just like a political football. Like, well, well, then couldn't you disqualify someone for this political issue or that political issue? And no, I mean, ultimately for me and my analysis of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, I almost think that the drafters of that provision, the same way the Supreme Court said with obscenity, you kind of know it when you see it. It's something you know when you see. I think the drafters of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, didn't think we'd be anywhere after the Civil War, because that's when the 14th Amendment, Section 3 was drafted, where you would actually have a major political party see an insurrection and then say it wasn't an insurrection and then turn it into a political issue. I just think that the that the, found, the framers of that provision thought that this was going to be something that the whole country would rally behind. That was my, that's kind of my view of it. And so I think that's the problem. That's the defect in what the Supreme Court was doing today. I think it's unfortunate that they're going in this direction where I think they will reverse the Colorado uh, Supreme Court. But that just means people are going to have to vote, vote, vote. But let's take a look at what Donald Trump said after oral argument. And it's interesting because we'll show you in a little bit what his lawyer said. But first, let me show you what Trump said right after. Play this clip. I heard and I watched. And the one thing I'll say is they kept saying about what I said right after the insurrection. He goes, I think this was an insurrection. This was an insurrection. It was an insurrection called by caused by Nancy Pelosi. I mean, clearly an unhinged conspiracy. But just think about that. On a day where Donald Trump says January 6th is an insurrection that's caused by Nancy Pelosi. Think about that. That's not getting like any attention. We, we give it attention. We give it the attention uh, it deserves. Um, but no one else is giving that. Not a lot of other people are giving that. Instead, they're focused on, you know, the Biden thing. Whereas Trump tried to overthrow our democracy and is blaming it on the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Let me show you what Donald Trump's lawyer said, though, in the courtroom. Here, play this clip. Pin down your principal argument on Section 3, you argue that even though the president may or may not qualify, presidency may or may not qualify as an office under the United States, um, your principal argument is that the president is not an officer of the United States, correct? Yeah, I would say it a little more forcefully than what Your Honor just described. We believe the presidency is excluded from office under the United States, but the argument we have that he's excluded the president as an officer of the United States is the stronger of the two textually and has fewer uh, implications for other constitutions. Bit of a gerrymandered rule, isn't it, designed to benefit only your client? I certainly wouldn't call it gerrymandered. That implies nefarious. Well, the, you just, didn't make it up. I know some scholars have been discussing it, but just so we're clear, under that reading, only... Um, only the petitioner is disqualified because virtually every other president except Washington um, mm -hmm. has taken an oath of, to support the Constitution, correct? That's right. Every president, to our knowledge, every other president. John Adams might also be excluded because he took the oath as a vice president. By the way, I like that line of, that was Justice Sotomayor there, by the way. And I, I liked her line of questioning there. My prediction, though, is that 
she will side ultimately with the group reversing the Colorados. I could be wrong on this. I think she's going to uh, rule in favor of reversing. Maybe she'll join part of a dissent with Katanji Brown Jackson if one exists. But as I said, I think it'll be an eight one seven two or potentially even a nine zero decision reversing Colorado. That's just my prediction. I give you the, I give you the truth and how I assess it here, honestly. Even if it is at times upsetting, that's just the reality of it. But let me show you the moment I wanted to show you before. This is Katanji Brown Jackson questioning Donald Trump's lawyer about the issue of insurrection. And again, I think it was Justice Jackson, again, a Biden appointee who was very focused on that issue. And she was really the only justice. And that's why I'm so grateful for her questioning there, because I want you to listen to this. Then I want to play the Trump clip again. And then I want to talk about the implications here. Here, play this clip. Question. Um, The Colorado Supreme Court concluded that the violent attempts of the petitioner supporters uh, in this case to halt the count uh, on January 6th qualified as an insurrection uh, as defined by Section 3. And I read your opening brief to accept uh, that those events counted as an insurrection. Um, But then your reply seemed to suggest that they were not. So what what is your position as to that? We never accepted or conceded in our opening brief that this was an insurrection. What we said in our opening brief was President Trump did not engage in any act that can plausibly be characterized as insurrection. All right, so why would this not be an insurrection? What is your argument that it's not? Your reply brief says that it wasn't because I think you say um, it did not involve an organized attempt to overthrow the government. That's one of many reasons. But for an insurrection, there needs to be an organized, concerted effort to overthrow the government of the United States through violence. And this and so the point is that a chaotic effort to overthrow the government is not an insurrection? No, we didn't concede that it's an effort to overthrow the government either, Justice Jackson. Right? None of these criteria were met. This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. The events were shameful, criminal, violent, all of those things. But it did not qualify as insurrection as that term is used in Section 3. Thank you. Because, thanks. Shameful, criminal, and violent. But he says it's not an insurrection. But that was Trump's lawyer. Think about that. Justice Jackson got Trump's lawyer to say the events of January 6th. And he said it before the Supreme Court were shameful, criminal, and violent. Shameful, criminal, and violent. That sounds like the opening brief of something special counsel Jack Smith can file. Now, when you see why Donald Trump said it was an insurrection, but Nancy Pelosi caused it, I think Donald Trump got very afraid when he heard that. Because he's saying, no, 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 now you're saying that I'm a criminal for what I did. So it is an insurrection, but Nancy Pelosi caused it. Did you did you catch what may have happened there? I was just thinking Donald Trump may be throwing the lawyer under the bus, or, but I think that Trump, I think he's doing that also. But I think Trump heard that and he and I think Trump's pissed. Like I think the the irony here is that I think that lawyer's gonna get the W. I mean, he's going to win. He did what his job was supposed to in that case. But he called what went down on January 6th, which it was shameful, criminal, and violent. So with that context, watch now what Donald Trump said immediately after. Play the clip. I heard and I watched. And the one thing I'll say is they kept saying about what I said right after the insurrection. I think it was an insurrection caused by Nancy Pelosi. 
that was a, an important moment that I think yeah, And the people, plane had to go fly and ruin the whole soundbite, right? I mean, come on. Come on, Tyler. <laughs> come on. You got to have to know this was coming, airplane. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like he's flat out admits it right there, though. Like, yes, it was an insurrection, and he tries to deflect. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, the fallout from that. To me, it seems like he steps on his entire <laughs> legal arguments from his lawyers right there. But I do agree with you. But oh, no, no, no. His lawyer just said what happened on January. Trump's being criminally prosecuted. Or January 6th as but not, leading it. But not for an insurrection. Like he's, he's not, not charged for insurrection. He's prosecuted for engaging in crimes mm-hmm. relating to overthrowing the democracy right. in various ways. And his lawyer categorized what happened as criminal right. before, the, before <laughs> the United States Supreme Court when Donald Trump now has to go back before the Supreme Court potentially on the issue of absolute immunity after the <laughs> yes. D.C. Circuit Court – you get what I'm – after the D.C. Circuit Court <laughs> yeah, of Appeals yeah, yeah. just affirmed what Judge Tanya Chutkin did in denying – Donald Trump's motion to dismiss 57 page order. I don't know. Doesn't it feel like it was two weeks ago? It was Tuesday. It was after our Monday yeah, show. Yeah, I can't believe it was Tuesday. Whenever I do these outlines, it's the same thing too. I'm like, the, the immunity decision that was that was what, like three weeks ago, four weeks. No, that was two days ago. <laughs> you know, it was so it was so you know strange too. Is after the DC Circuit immunity decision, you know, all these legal analysts, Jonathan Turley and others, going on Fox, and they were like, Donald Trump has 90 days now to appeal to the Supreme Court to file his petition for certiorari. I'm like, do you read the documents? The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals says Donald Trump had until next Monday. They gave Donald Trump a short deadline if he's going to petition for certiorari before the United States Supreme Court. Otherwise, a mandate issues and the case goes back to Judge Tanya Chutkin for proceedings. Donald Trump has until next Monday to file his petition for certiorari. And now his lawyer just said that what happened on J6 was criminal violent and shameful. Look for those words to be quoted by special counsel Jack Smith. Oh, by the way, if you just want to see too, like, you're like, okay, we, we, we all watch the Midas Touch Network. Like, wh- what are they watching? Like, what, is the, what are the MAGA people watching? Like, we watch Midas. Well, you know, oftentimes when you like look at the, the list here of, uh, you know, how many people are watching YouTube, like you may see another show that sometimes competes the right wing <laughs> show, Tim, Tim Pool. Tim Pool's like the MAGA podcaster, right? And so just so you know, this is what Tim Pool posts. Like look here at the Midas Touch Network, we're talking about like, let's all bring everybody together and like compare, like <laughs> let's figure out solutions. Um, Tim Pool writes, at the exact same time Donald Trump says it was an insurrection. Tim Pool goes, imagine being an effing R and calling Jan 6th an insurrection. That's what uh, the MAGA podcast. Look, I, I want everyone to just take, I know Ben just said it, but just look at the timestamps if you can for a second. Tim Pool sent his post at 9.35 a.m. this morning, Pacific time. And then not three minutes later at 9.38 a.m. was the clip of Donald Trump posted where Donald Trump himself calls it an insurrection. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, you, don't, you, you can't get much better than that. By the way. Uh, do I think if you are a textualist, an originalist, do I believe that uh, under the 14th Amendment, my own belief, what's Ben's belief, 
Should 14th Amendment Section 3 disqualify Donald Trump? I believe it should. I just knew the Supreme Court was not going to go there. They're not mm. going to. Do, it's unfortunate. And then to your point, if we were, you know, a Tim Pool show or a Jonathan Turley show, what would we be saying right now? It's going to be a unanimous decision in favor of disqualification. And then when it doesn't happen, we'd go, it's rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. Moving it's rigged. The goalpost. Right. <laughs> and so that's that's all what they do. They lie. And so, you just know, giving you the, I listen <laughs> to it. Just giving you the listen data. to it. I'm just giving you my honest decision. <laughs> assessment of what I think is going to happen. I hope I'm wrong, but I think, uh, I, I think I do like point. listening to legal <laughs> arguments like that when it's not like an abrasive argument. I, I do find it interesting, even when I don't agree with those arguments. Mm-hmm. Like I actually found Donald Trump's attorneys today right. to at least be reasonable and to try to make fact-based arguments. Um, unlike like an Alina Haba, for example, where you're just like, this person is a loon. She is making a complete and total fool of herself. And I like that intellectual exercise of listening to those court cases. I actually found it very interesting. And it was cool watching too with the Midas Mighty today on our YouTube channel. We streamed it and shout out to all the 43,000 people who are watching live while we were doing it top uh, stream on all of YouTube and hundreds and hundreds of thousands in, in total so far. So thank you. Have you checked out the Midas Touch newsletter? MidasTouch.com slash newsletter. Sign up for free. MidasTouch.com slash newsletter. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Let's get to 3 million subscribers by this summer. We've got a lot more show Jordy, it's great having you back, yeah, man. Jordy, great to Jordy. Right. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good with Jordy and the Midas Mighty. We'll be right back after our first quick break of the show. So, what if ordinary people, just like you and me, could change the world with the push of a button? Meet Lomi, the world's first kitchen appliance designed to turn your home into a climate solution by transforming your food scraps into nutrient-rich plant food. Now that I've invested in a Lomi, it's changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern-day kitchen since the dishwasher. It's a smart and simple solution to turn food scraps into plant food in just four hours. Lomi transforms almost anything you eat into nutrient-rich plant food at the push of a button. Lomi helps cut the chore of taking out the trash in half, and it eliminates bugs and odors in your kitchen. And here's a bonus. You get to feed your lawn and garden with an all-natural fertilizer that you just created out of your own food scraps. Lomi has helped me turn my home into... A climate solution. Now I can transform my organic waste into nutrient-rich loamy earth that I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden instead of sending it to the landfill. I can help the environment and make my life easier. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge, you know what I'm talking about, can go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food at home. And now, Lomi's new app lets me track my environmental impact, earn points for every cycle, and redeem for freebies from Lomi plus other great brands. 
Lomi promises to bring you the best possible experience every time you run the cycle. They are one of the only kitchen appliances that has a full no questions asked, no questions asked, lifetime warranty on all devices, and they don't stop there. Lomi looks after you from day one and beyond. When you purchase a continued subscription, you'll automatically get upgraded to a new Lomi device every three years. I love my new routine with Lomi. No more stinky trash bins, no more leaky bags making a mess of the house when I take the bag out to the curb. Whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, I'll have to post mine soon. Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash Midas, L-O-M-I dot com slash Midas, and use that promo code Midas to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Midas. Use that promo code Midas at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at that perfect temperature all night long. Now, using silver infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at that perfect temperature all night so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas to try Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code MIDAS at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas and use the code Midas to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Midas to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this. Let's go. Shout out our pro-democracy sponsors, folks. Links are in the description of the episode, either on YouTube or on uh, audio. It looks like Brett really wants to say something. I was just saying, like, in the in the past, you know, week or whatever, like, that's our only taste of Jordy that we got was from oh, the man. ad read. And so it's nice to have you actually back when I we return. It. Like, I, was thinking, I was thinking about during the ad breaks. So, again, links in the <laughs> description. Great products, great offerings. We work really hard to get those deals for you guys. So check them out if you're interested. Shout out to my wife one more time. Shout out to Lexi one more time. It's been so wild just to Shout see out to all the moms out Shout there. Shout out to all the moms. Shout out to all the moms, but specifically Lexi right now because she she just gave birth. And I love Absolutely. Her. Shout, Shout out to her. Lexi. It's been incredible to see. And if you made it this far in the podcast, my son's name is Elijah. So welcome, Elijah. Oh, my- Jordy. Oh, drop it. Just- who stayed on the show, who stayed, who got. Wow. Wow. Who, who are committed, okay, who are committed to the Midas Mighty movement. So wow. shout out, Elijah. Elijah, there it is. Shout the big Elijah. announcement. Look at that. We did not that. reveal the name, Jordy, even in the Patreon. I know you didn't. Patreon, you guys were very, you, 
I know you didn't. You guys, we were asked numerous times. We Mm -hmm. had a lot of pressure on us. Like, I don't usually feel pressure. I felt pressure. (laughs) It's the baby's name, Jordy telling you. Can you let us know? (laughs) I I, I think people were like, I don't like withholding, I don't like secrets. I don't know what you know. I know. Well, it's hard to have secrets when the slogan is truth is golden. You know what I'm saying? So I know, I'm just I glad know. you guys let me reveal the name. That was very yeah, nice. Generous of you guys. Elijah. Can we do a baby emoji soon, maybe? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I got discussed. <laughs> how, how quick could we exploit Elijah for something? <laughs> we do a little baby emoji, perhaps? <laughs> he, does he know how to edit videos yet, Jordan? <laughs> Elijah, Elijah emoji. Hot takes. What's his hot take? <laughs> That's All right, back, back to business. <laughs> I, I love that she did the name reveal. <laughs> Justice Lewis Kaplan, federal judge from the Southern District of uh, New York, who presided over the E. Jean Carroll uh, defamation lawsuit where she was awarded $83.3 million. Donald Trump had previously been found liable for $5 million for sexual assault and defamation back in May. And now he was found liable for defaming his rape victim. Yes, defaming his rape victim. And uh, E. Jean Carroll was awarded $83.3 million. Judge Lewis Kaplan finally entered a final judgment that happened uh, a little bit earlier today. There you see it right there for the aggregate sum of $83.3 million. Now, this starts the clock for Donald Trump to have to uh, post a bond in the amount of $83.3 million. And it also starts the clock for Donald Trump to appeal. Undoubtedly, he's going to file an appeal. But if he wants to stay or stop collection efforts, by E. Jean Carroll. I mean, one of the things she could do is seize his bank accounts unless he posts this bond. And, you know, if Donald Trump is thinking he's going to be able to kind of hide his money or move the money around, he's under a fairly strict financial monitorship where in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case. And We've been saying, where's this verdict from Justice Arthur and Goron? And we've been telling you here on the Midas Touch Network and on Legal AF, likely two reasons for the delay. One, the independent monitor letter. It's retired judge, uh, federal judge Barbara Jones. She said uh, that she had found these inconsistent, incomplete, and erroneous financial uh, financial statements in her 14 months as an independent monitor. Her role is not more robust than just reporting, although in a final order by Justice Arthur and Goron, in addition to a disgorgement money award of somewhere likely in excess of $370 million that New York Attorney General Letitia James is asking for, Justice and Goron can also um, increase the monitorship powers um, for Judge Barbara Jones and allow her to basically kind of quickly flag fraud. And then Ngoron can issue these uh, interim post-judgment orders um, if she identifies things. So that's something that I think Donald Trump may be equally afraid of in addition to the monetary amount, the disgorgement, because you could have an independent monitor like Barbara Jones flag these things, then rush to Ngoron, and then Ngoron can issue remedies right away. So if they find that there are phantom debt and you know this debt parking scheme of $48 million, 
dollars and this money doesn't exist. And rather than New York Attorney General Letitia James having to file like an entire new lawsuit that takes years, once you have this kind of independent monitorship that's long term, you can then kind of instantly issue these remedies once you have that that final verdict. So that was one reason for the delay is that she sent this letter that raised all of these other issues and potentially phantom debt. The other is that Trump's former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, um, is potentially in plea negotiations with the Manhattan District Attorney for committing perjury where in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case before Justice Arthur Ngoron. So Justice Arthur Ngoron read the Times and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did uh, Alan Weisselberg commit perjury here? And then Ngoron sent an email to the parties and said, how should I deal with this fact? And then to Alan Weisselberg's lawyers, uh, Alina Haba and Cliff Robert, um, are you aware of this? Did he commit perjury? Because you're aware that under the New York Professional Code Rule 3.3A3, you can suborn perjury. So if you're aware right now that your client committed perjury, if you are learning that your client is in these plea negotiations to, to say that he committed crimes in my court and you don't alert me, you could be held responsible as well. So know your ethical responsibilities here. Let me know how I should proceed. And then Alina Haba and Cliff Robert responded kind of digging the hole deeper, right? The law of holes is stop digging and they keep on digging and digging. And they basically attacked the judge and said, it's inappropriate for you to take judicial notice and consider the article by the New York Times as evidence. That should not be evidence. And Justice Agoran's like, whoa, this isn't a debate. I'm not saying the New York Times article is evidence. I asked you a very simple question, which is, did your client commit perjury? Are you aware of that? Because that could impact my ruling. And if someone committed a crime in my courtroom, if a crime took place before me, I want to know about it. So here was Justice Arthur Ngoron's response to Cliff Robert uh, today. And it's interesting in New York, they send emails like to the judge. I always found that interesting when I did cases in New York because this doesn't really exist in, in California, at least. Yeah, what's next? But Text it, messages? Uh, Shoot me an iMessage. Yeah, in New York, this is, what, this is what it says. Dear Mr. Robert, when I sent my straightforward, narrow request for information about possible, possible perjury by Alan Weisselberg in the subject case, I was not seeking to initiate a wide-ranging debate with counsel. However, your misleading response grossly mischaracterizes the letter that I wrote, and I feel compelled to respond. Arguing against judicial notice is attacking a straw person, as I have not taken, do not plan to take, and did not suggest or even hint that I would take judicial notice of the subject New York Times article or the contents thereof. And then Justice Agoran goes on to say, if tomorrow Mr. Weisselberg confesses to having committed perjury about a significant matter in the case before me, or if he pleads guilty to such perjury at any time before I issue my final decision, I will research and consider what the law allows. 
I take seriously my obligations to find the facts and determine the truth. To that end, I find it appropriate to have reached out to counsel for Mr. Weisselberg, who is a defendant in this case, to inquire as to her knowledge, referring to Alina Haba, of this serious allegation. Indeed, Rule 3.3 sub A3 provides that, quote, if a lawyer's client offered material evidence and the lawyer comes to know of its falsity, the lawyer shall take reasonable remedial measures, including, if necessary, disclosure to the tribunal. This obligation applies even if compliance requires disclosure of information otherwise confidential. To know of the falsity, the lawyer must have actual knowledge, but such knowledge may be inferred from the circumstances. Hint, hint, hint. The circumstances right now, and I'm not reading from Justice Ngoron's letter anymore, the circumstances now are that the New York Times wrote that Alan Weisselberg is negotiating a plea deal for perjury. So that should put you on actual notice of what is happening to go and ask your client, hey, did you commit perjury before Justice Ngoron? Alina Haba's response is that her ethics counsel, her ethics lawyer, told her that she's not allowed to respond, which directly contradicts what I just read to you, Rule 3.3 sub A sub 3 right there. And so I think what Justice Ngoron is actually kind of putting in place here is saying, you're on notice. Your response was to lie to me and say that you're unaware. So now if I find out that this happens with Alan Weisselberg, I'm going to um, in, I'm going to determine what the ultimate remedy is going to be right here. And again, what did we tell you that MAGA stands for? Make attorneys get attorneys. And Alina Haba and Cliff Robert, but particularly Alina Haba is putting herself in a very precarious situation right here. And you see it right there. And look, I get there are people who say, well, you know, you had Judge Lewis Kaplan, the federal judge. He was strong and he put Trump in his place. But Justice Arthur and Goron kind of let Donald Trump get away with more things. Look, Justice and Goron held a bench trial, right? Judge Lewis Kaplan, the E. Jean Carroll case, was before a jury. So there were certain different considerations there as well. But let's wait till we see what Justice and Goron's ruling is, because in terms of him being strict or this, I'm expecting that there will be a disgorgement order for at least $370 million, but with pre-judgment interest compounding plus penalties, I think it will be in excess of $500 million. And I think Justice Agoran is going to have a lot to say about the powers of the independent monitor going forward. So let's wait for that. But then Trump's going to have to post bonds of 83.3 plus plus something like 500 plus close to 600 million dollar bonds he's going to have to um he's going to have to put up. So those that's your legal review right there. I but- just don't understand this the strategy that all these idiot Trump lawyers have of antagonizing the judge. Like what good is going to come from antagonizing and being confrontational with the person who is ultimately making the judgment on your case. That letter you know- from Cliff Robert was like when I read it I was like whoa whoa, this is outrageous. And then I saw Angoran's response and I was like, yeah, like, damn right. Like you got to push back when you're accusing the judge of impropriety. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Cliff Robert. Cliff Robert. Cliff. 
like, I like a lame, like a, just some lame lawyer who's working on this case, attacking Justice Arthur and Goron in that way. I mean, when uh, Cliff Roberts potentially suborning perjury, I mean, it's real absurd. But but maybe, you know, what Trump's lawyers say is, look, if we engage in these tactics, you know, we'll get judges like a Judge Eileen Cannon who, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't want, you know, who doesn't want to deal with all of that. So she'll just give us whatever we'll want, whatever we want. And, you know, we'll get away with all of this stuff before Judge Eileen Cannon. And, you know, they're basically doing that. Judge Eileen Cannon may may as well be another member of Trump's legal team. I've, I've like never seen anything like this before. She's like allowing things to be unredacted that give away FBI code names. <laughs> I mean, and she's like, uh, special counsel Jack Smith seemed to not provide with specificity why this is in the interest of uh, national security, why FBI code names are in the interest of national security. And like, she's still yet to really issue a substantive order yet. She still kind of issues these like discovery orders and these uh, scheduling orders and these paperless orders. She's still yet to actually issue like a substantive ruling, but I'm waiting for special counsel Jack Smith. As soon as he's able to trust me, he's going to file an appeal with the 11th circuit. He just has to have the opportunity that he's waiting for there. But then you just think about where all of this kind of fits together. I'm interested to see what the Supreme Court will do. I assume Donald Trump will petition for certiorari after the D.C. Circuit affirmed Judge Tanya Chutkin's denial of Donald Trump's motion to dismiss on absolute immunity grounds. Will the Supreme Court grant certiorari and set an expedited briefing schedule? Will they just reject the case because the order by the D.C. Circuit was so airtight? I mean, that will be interesting because when will that case be slotted in? Will that case be slotted in? Right now, there's already a two-month delay, right? So if it was supposed to go down March 4th, we're looking at May 4th, like the earliest right now you know, and potentially more likely even a little bit later than that. So we'll find out. But I was glad that even though the D.C. Circuit, wasn't it funny though, by the way, we were like, what's going on with the D.C. Circuit? They're taking a really long time here. And it was just that they were writing a really <laughs> good order. Like, by the way, more than they're writing a good order. Yeah, it's it's easy to start wading into some sort of conspiracy or maybe this judge is diverting from the other judges and all the other things we were hearing. And there was a lot of like, especially on the cable news, like last week, it was a lot of, okay, everybody, I'm officially in panic mode. This is it, red alert. And it turns out they were just writing an incredibly comprehensive, airtight opinion, which is now now that it's out there is like one of the most respected opinions like ever. And people are just universally praising anyone who's like legitimate is universally praising this thing and speaking about how it's going to be taught in, in like law classes and things like that. And it's just funny when you think perspective and I know, you know, yeah. We're, we're, we're racing towards an election and everyone's rightfully concerned. I, I get it. But perspective, it took them, what, like a month to write this 57-page document uh, with the airtight references and airtight legal analysis and, and opinions. Like, it's it's not a lot of time to write something that dense and, and that powerful. Anyways, should we talk about the border? We got a lot to discuss, but you know what? How about this? Let's tee it up, all right? Republicans had 
a bit of a rough week, I'm going to say. And MAGA Mike had especially a rough week. Republicans killed their own border bill. They brought an impeachment resolution to the floor for Alejandro Mayorkas that failed because they, wait for it, didn't know how to count, it it seemed. (laughs) They ended up blaming a hidden Democrat. Some of their other bills also went down in flames. And of course, that means that they are going to distract and go back to Hunter Biden and other conspiracy theories. We're going to cover all that and more when we're back. First, a message from our pro-democracy sponsors. Sit tight. Don't leave. Elijah, Jordy. Elijah, play the clip. Let's see if he does it. Elijah, play the clip. Elijah, play the clip. I'm always on the lookout for immune strength during cold and flu season. So I just discovered an incredible product, Armor Colostrum. Now my immune health has never been stronger. I recently began using Armor Colostrum because I need something to help strengthen my gut barrier protecting against toxins, chemicals, and pollutants that drive inflammation. Colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and is an exclusive source of all the essential nutrients we need in order to thrive. Armra Colostrum is sustainably sourced and is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 functional nutrients to strengthen your immune barriers, your body's inside suit of armor, and the first line of defense against harmful particles from the environment that can trigger inflammation and make you sick. Armor colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. Armor colostrum strengthens all four layers of your gut wall where 80% of your immune cells are housed. When the immune barriers of your gut are compromised, you are left vulnerable. The body's gut wall system is your critical line of defense against particles from the environment that can make you sick. Armor colostrum strengthens all four layers of gut wall system naturally, optimizing your microbiome, fortifying your gut wall architecture, and replenishing your army of immune cells securing your highest integrity gut health and immune system. It's a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins, antibodies that optimize your immune defense during cold and flu season. So I take three to four scoops of Armra colostrum a day and increase, uh, increase it as desired for amplified defense. As a whole food, there's no such thing as too much. We've worked out a special offer for our audience here for this Armra Colostrum. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Midas or enter Midas to get 15% off your first order. That's tryarmra.com. You spell it T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S. Go and check that out now. Tryarmra.com slash Midas. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. When you're sleeping well, you can perform at your best mentally and physically. Proper sleep can also increase focus, boost energy, and improve your mood. Introducing Beam's Dream Powder, a science-backed healthy hot cocoa for sleep. If you know me, you know that Dream has been an absolute game changer for my sleep. Sometimes I find myself up at night in bed with my thoughts and uneasiness. Well, that's not the case anymore because I started to drink Beam's Dream Powder. 
Prior to Beam's Dream Powder, the poor sleep and late nights staying up really affected my mood and energy, but not anymore. And today, our listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their science-backed healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like chocolate peanut butter, cinnamon cocoa, and sea salt caramel with only 15 calories and zero grams of sugar. Better sleep has never tasted better. Other sleep aids can cause next day grockiness, but Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and nano-CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. The numbers don't lie. In a clinical study, 93% of participants reported Dream helped them get better sleep. Beam Dream is easy to add to your nighttime routine. Just mix Dream into hot water or milk, froth, and enjoy before bed. Find out why Forbes and New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Midas and use code Midas at checkout. That's shop. B-E-A-M dot com slash Midas and use code Midas for up to 40% off. Welcome back. We're live on the Midas Touch podcast. Jordy, check out those descriptions for the discount code. You got the links there. I got a quick funny story for you. Like I said, Ma's been here helping out. Gigi has been here and all of a sudden, you know, I'm changing the baby uh, with Lex. We're doing our thing. I hear Gigi on the phone with Brett. And what did I hear? It was a 15 to 30 minute conversation about how much he loves Arma. So yeah, yeah, definitely we're talking about armor a lot. I, it's funny when when I hear the the sponsors now, I realize how much of my days are re- revolve around the sponsors of our show. Like I woke up on the Miracle Made sheets, you know, I, I, yes. I threw a banana, I threw a banana in the Lomi. There you I go. I had my armor. I had an armor in the you afternoon. Got, we use the, the products, folks. We use the I slept on the eight sleep. <laughs> it's like my whole life. My we, whole life was dictated. We use them. We took beam before bed. <laughs> That Beam Dream Powder is fantastic too. Links yeah. in the description if you're interested in those products. They are truly wonderful and we work out the deals for you guys specifically. So That's I hope so you like funny it. That, it's so funny you heard me talking to mom. So every day the media and Republicans were saying border, 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 invasion, invasion, mm-hmm. invasion. I know there was right. a MAGA caravan. They showed up and they said, okay, where, where's the where, – I don't really see the invasion. <laughs> and look, oftentimes when the media shows the images from the border, it's like – the border from like Mexico and Guatemala, like it's not actually the United States border with, but nonetheless, look, I recognize that there is uh, some serious issues that need to be addressed. I don't want to make light of it, but I want to try to find solutions here and uh, Democrats and rational Republicans join forces to come up with a deal. And President Biden basically said, I'll sign whatever it is, whatever deal you can work out. And let's have the Republican from Oklahoma, whose reputation, like James Lankford, the senator from Oklahoma, the Republican, his whole reputation is like the border guy. Like that's one of his things that he talks about the border. He's the person with the border plan. He's got all of the specialty there. So we will even let the border guy from the Republicans put all the terms that they want, and we'll pretty much agree to the wish list of everything that you're asking for. We'll just go. Why? Because you're holding up aid to Ukraine, which is ridiculous. But okay, we'll trade you. Aid to Ukraine to stop Vladimir Putin from destroying Europe will give you what you want on the border. 
right? I mean, that's a, a deal, a compromise. And you had mainstream Republicans, independents, Democrats come together and they put together a tough package, something that's very, very serious, that's tangible, that the Border Patrol Union uh, supports that would make a big difference. But Donald Trump, no one disputes this, that this happened. Donald Trump says, I want you to kill this bill because I want to campaign on chaos at the border. I want to campaign on an invasion. That's my thing. My theme is I whine about the border. Here's the thing, Brett. Nobody disputes that Trump's – he said it. He posted Mm -hmm. it. He talked about it. He thinks that complaining and whining is a winning issue. You don't hear the media ever talking about, oh, by the way, so now you – you invite the invasion, you you want the invasion because that's a winning issue for you. And so I just think that context spread of like this negotiation, what happened here, you actually have the ability to get something done. And look, Republicans, actual Republicans, not the MAGA mutation, actual Republicans. Do you, th- do you think I agree with James Langford on, on mostly anything? But I'm like, all right, James, you've got some points here. Let's do it. Bet. I'm in. We'll do that. Then we do that. We come together. We high five. You didn't get everything you wanted. We didn't get, you got mostly everything. We didn't get what we wanted almost at all, but that's a negotiation. Let's get a deal. Brett, what happens? Yeah, it was the most conservative, I would say, border bill, compromise bill that we've seen like ever. Like they will mm-hmm. never have an opportunity to pass something like this again. They just, they just gave it away. It's, it's truly unbelievable. And these Republicans immediately just destroyed the entire bill. They spent months and months and months working on this negotiation. They put in charge Republican Senator James Lankford to lead the discussions. President Biden was involved with the White House. You had the other Democratic senators involved. Mike Johnson, he decided, I don't want to be involved. And then he lied about it, saying that he was left out. It turned out that he said he didn't even want to be involved. And as this is coming to fruition, It's not even released yet, and Fox and right-wing media get the kill order from Donald Trump. Sink this thing because I want chaos. And sink it, they did. They went into high gear right away. You had Laura Ingram, I remember vividly, weeks ago, before any of the text of the bill was even released. Nobody even knew what was in the bill. She put up a graphic on her show that cherry-picked little things from it to make it seem as unappealing to the MAGA hardliners as possible. And the second that happened, I feel like the bill was dead right then and there. It didn't matter what the facts were. She had already poisoned the well with her lies, whatever happened after that did not matter. And so ultimately, the news starts coming out about what's in the bill. And it's a strong bill, like I said, like the strongest compromise bill there ever was. But by this point, you have Donald Trump already saying, don't pass it. I want to run on this issue. And you had the entire kind of MAGA ecosystem all rallying behind that, that we need to kill these things. Anybody who is for this is a radical extremist Democrat. That's what you had Elise Stefanik saying the other day. I'm like, really? Republican Senator James Lankford and the Border Patrol are radical extreme Democrats? Like, get over yourself. And the lies came so fast and furious. The pressure campaign was kind of unlike anything you've ever seen in the past with Fox News and all these kind of MAGA influencers ganging up and literally trying to threaten lawmakers to not pass this bill. And you might think, 
that's a conspiracy theory. There's no way Donald Trump ordered a hit on this bill. Well, he said it himself. We've played those clips many times. You could read them on a social media feed. You may say there's no way that Fox or some other political commentators out there were actually threatening lawmakers to not pass legislation for in order to help the people. An organization like Fox or one of these media networks, they wouldn't actually threaten to destroy a lawmaker over working on bipartisan legislation. Well, guess what? You don't have to believe me. I give you Republican Senator James Lankford speaking about the threat he received from a, quote, popular political commentator. Some of them may have policy differences. Some of them have been very clear with me. They have political differences with the bill. They say it's the wrong time to solve the problem or let the presidential election solve this problem. In fact, I had a popular commentator four weeks ago that I talked to that told me flat out before they knew any of the contents of the bill, any of the content, nothing was out at that point, that told me flat out if you try to move a bill that solves the border crisis during this presidential year, I will do whatever I can to destroy you. Because I do not want you to solve this during the presidential election. By the way, they have been faithful to their promise and have done everything they can to destroy me in the past several weeks. How sick. How sick is that that political commentators are dictating policy of the United States government and are threatening individuals with destruction? We will destroy you if you commit the cardinal sin of working across the aisle to pass something that's actually good for the American people. It's sick. It's compl- a repu- Let me reiterate. That's a Republican senator from Oklahoma, as conservative in the traditional sense of the word as you get, James Lankford. And by the way, Ben, he put his neck out, right, for all of James Lankford's faults, and believe me, there are plenty. He decided he was elected or put forward by the Republicans, you are going to be our lead negotiator on this border project. On this bill, you're in charge. And then what do they do? They throw him under the bus. They call him a radical extremist Democrat. Mitch McConnell votes against the thing. Like, I imagine like that's the loyalty that you get for trying to actually govern. You get smacked in the face by your own party. It's dis- it's so, so, so disgusting. And so what do they do after that, right? They just lie. They just lie all the time, right? They lie about what's in the bill. They lie nonstop. They dismiss the Border Patrol Union's thoughts on the border bill. They're, they're supposed to support. The Border Patrol Union are like Donald Trump's top supporters. And they came out and said that they support this bill and hoped for its quick passage. But let's listen to what Tom Emmer had to say. And Steve Ducey on Fox News actually had to slap Tom Emmer down for his lies here. And I know a lot of Republicans are against it because Donald Trump is against it. But here's here's the problem for you guys. Uh, the Border Patrol Union came out and the acting CBP chief both came out and said they're not it's not perfect. But this is the best thing we've seen in decades. So are Republicans going to say that the Border Patrol Union and the acting CBP chief are wrong? Well, look, they can have their perspective, Steve. Uh, and we've it's got a lot their of respect. jobs, Tom. We've, well, and it's our job to uh, actually make sure the laws will accomplish what we're seeking to do. 
Yeah, okay. He knows more than the Border Patrol, I am sure. Well, let's see another example of that on, shockingly again, Fox. You had Senator John Kennedy saying in his folksy voice, that's like fake, by the way, like he makes up a fake accent and and plays dumb on TV. He's actually like a bright guy that doesn't even speak the way he speaks for, it's a whole weird thing. Anyway, he starts talking about how he can't fathom he can't fathom how this bill actually does anything to help the border. And he also gets called out on Fox. Obviously, she's very frustrated. Um, mm-hmm. She said that her, you know, in her home state, people don't want it. They don't care about politics. They want to make at least and you, you just said, Senator, that you were looking for some provisions that would improve. Right. And when you go through this and I understand that people on both sides have very big you know, differences over this. But you don't think there were some provisions in there that were worth moving on? I can't predict the future. I have to wait for it like everybody else. But I don't see how anybody could look at this bill and confidently predict it would have been an improvement. Well, the, the, um, the chief of the Border Patrol just said exactly that. Don't you think that he probably knows better than anybody what would have helped his people out a little bit? And I have great respect for him, but I disagree with him. Shaking my head. So then the big lie that continues to pour out of Donald Trump. And it's funny because you could see a direct line from Donald Trump posting something on his social media account to all the MAGA bots in your comments on social media parodying parodying the same thing. And I'm like, okay, you're just literally repeating what Donald Trump says. You have no personality outside of that. Okay. And Donald Trump goes, I don't even understand why we need a border bill. You could just say, just like he, uh, you know, is able to uh, change documents with his mind. You could just say border closed. Quarter closed. <laughs> and it's closed. And once again, we had a Republican here. You had Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy, actually saying, like, what are you talking about? That's not how it works. In fact, millions of migrants came in through the border under you, Donald Trump. No, we're not going to just pass the buck and say that, oh, any president could walk in and secure the border. I saw former President Trump make that allegation earlier today on one of his Social media post. All the president has to do is declare the borders closed and it's closed. Well, with all due respect, that didn't happen in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. There were millions of people who came into the United States during those four years. Donald Trump asked for a border bill. Donald Trump could not pass a border bill. The only reason why border crossings went down under Donald Trump was because of COVID. They were peaking in 2019. The only reason is there was a global pandemic. That's why they came down. So this entire revisionist history that they want to put forward, that all one has to do is snap their fingers and you don't need funding, you don't need judges, you don't need any of this stuff. It could just happen magically by the snap of the fingers. I mean, it's all such. As you say, Brett, it's the MAGA fan fiction that, by the way, the media goes with that like everything was great when it was like, the worst. Like we, is is there a collective amnesia? Like we live those years. There was a mass casualty event because Donald Trump said that like a miracle, it was all going to go away and to inject ourselves with bleach. He added $8 trillion in debt when everybody warned that his like tax scam was going to result in that. I mean, it was day after day of like, you know, I remember those days. Like it was like, is is 
Is there going to be a tomorrow? What crazy thing is he going to post? What the heck is going to happen? And then they, and then he led an insurrection to overthrow the democracy. And then there's this fan fiction that like tries to normalize this behavior. And I'm like, what in the war? What in the world are we talking about? And then he gives speeches now. And I don't know if I mentioned this where he's out there making, <laughs> oh, mommy, ding, ding, ding. I heard about it. You heard about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the bing bongs. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've heard, I've heard rumors of, of these clips. Um, and here's the thing too. Donald Trump loves to have it both ways and, and the media loves to give it, get, like, let him have it both ways. Donald mm-hmm. Trump likes, and, and all these MAGA people, they like to take credit for all the, and I'm going to put this in quotes, all the kind of good data points they could point to that happened because Donald Trump ignored a global pandemic. So they're like, look, guess uh, it, it was negative, uh, dollars for a barrel of oil. Yes, the entire country was locked down. And then in the same breath, they blame Biden for the inflation caused by all of that or blame Biden for the loss of jobs that happened under Donald Trump. It's like you can't just pick the good stuff or what, you know, and I say that once again in big quotes from the COVID pandemic when that happened and then ignore the ramifications and Joe Biden's ability to actually get the country back on track after it. It's you cannot have it both ways. I'm sorry. I wanted to show you before we stop talking about this border chaos caused by the Republican Party here. I want to show you Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona, a serious senator. What does a serious senator look like when the Senate fails to pass this bill that the Republicans asked for. Watch this. But right now, we came up with bipartisan legislation that we worked on for months that does a lot of really good things. It's $20 billion for border security. I mean, what this does to the Border Patrol, hiring new agents, asylum officers, building new detention facilities. That's why this legislation is supported by the Border Patrol Union. Why the Wall Street Journal came out in favor of it, because it's good legislation that will help. And the administration said, if this passes, they will use these authorities. Our job is to pass legislation. We failed to do that today. And I, th- I think this is a really uh, shameful day for the United States Senate. It is. It's shameful. It, it is absolutely shameful. And as if that failure uh, in the Senate was not enough over in the House, the Republicans were also having a variety of failures. They made a whole big deal. We're going to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We're going to do it. And meanwhile, by the way, they're impeaching the guy who should be working on the border while they are not doing anything to help the border. Mm -hmm. They are taking him away from his job in order to try to impeach him because they don't want to actually give him the resources that he needs to actually get a good handle on the border. But I digress. They have this vote. The vote fails. They miscounted. They they didn't count the right number. Bad with numbers. Bad, horrible numbers. They can't count. And it failed 214 to 216. You had a few Republicans voting against it. One of them voted against it for just uh, procedural re- uh, reasons so they could bring it back up. And then you had Al Green, Democratic Representative Al Green, arriving straight from the hospital in a wheelchair, still wearing scrubs to make what would be the deciding vote for this. And Republicans did not prepare 
for that contingency. And they immediately started going into all these conspiracy theories, right? Democrat, they hid their members where we could have had the count, but Democrats hid their members from us. Marjorie Taylor Greene looked near tears after this vote failed. So let me start with her. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you asked that because um, well we can basically look like look at this as a game unfortunately and their strategy and they hid one of their members uh, waiting to the last minute uh, watching to see our votes um, trying to throw us off on the numbers that we had versus the numbers they had so yeah that was a strategy at play tonight. Hidden Democrats. Where? Hidden in the hospital. There's hidden no the hidden in a hospital. There's no personable personal accountability with this modern day Republican party. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always some conspiracy. Oh, they're hiding stuff. I mean, what was with that like pearl clutching she was doing there too? I mean, she did look like she was near tears in that instance. And it's just such ghoulish behavior from such a ghoulish party. Remember when Republicans used to consider themselves the party of personal responsibility? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, Brett. Never, it's never true. But now it's just it's always everyone else's fault. It's not. It's, it's the thing that we talk about though with Trump. It's just the they've taken on. It's all MAGA. Is all this like whiny, whiny, just like loser, and it's just whiny. It's just like ah, uh, just be quiet. Just. Uh, <laughs> they're all like that and and it's and by the way that's all that Donald Trump does too they've all kind of inherited well he's made the party that this whiny mentality and speaking of ghoulish jordy they scheduled this vote to happen on this day because they thought Al Green would not show up because he was in emergency surgery. They specifically planned it because they knew that this guy was in pain and in the hospital, and they thought it would be easier for them to pass this thing. And Steve Scalise is currently not there. He's going to be back next week. So they probably will pass this impeachment resolution next week, but they failed miserably this time. He wasn't hiding. The Democrat wasn't hiding. He was actually in the hospital getting some much needed surgery. I was and in he, the signs hospital. he signs himself out of the hospital. behavior that's happening. A hero, truly, a hero, truly. A heroic hero. move, by the way. Yeah. And like they just admit it too. You had Speaker Mike Johnson after be like, yeah, well, we didn't realize that the Democrats, some people were going to show up. We didn't think they were going to show up. Yeah, on impeachment, last night was a setback, but democracy is messy. We live in a time of divided government. Uh, we have a razor thin uh, margin here and every vote counts. Sometimes uh, when you're counting votes and people show up when they're not expected to be in the building, it changes the equation. But listen, we have a duty and a responsibility to take care of this issue. We have to hold the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security accountable. Mayorkas needs to be held accountable. The Biden administration needs to be held accountable. And we will pass those articles of impeachment. Uh, we'll, we'll do it on the next round. Like, how could you even do that? Like, I mean, I don't think I could ever say things that were so patently false and conniving and just like say it with a straight face. Like, you literally just tanked the toughest border deal. And now you're whining about the border after Donald Trump said that this is what we want to do. We want to whine about the border. Like, have you no shame? You don't. They, they don't. don't. They, they have they negative don't have shame. shame. And we say this on the show a bunch too, and I'm happy to finally prove it out with this real life instance, not finally, but prove it out again, is that the Republican Party, the modern day Republican Party, they don't actually want to solve issues that are presented to the American people. They want to complain about them. They want to fundraise off of them. And they want to try and win an elections off of them. They don't actually want to solve the issues because it's bad, quote unquote, politics for them. 
Their modern day Republican Party does not care about the average American person. They don't care about American citizens. All they care about is continuing to line their pockets with donors' money. Say what you want about the Democrats. At least they try. At least they're trying. At least they have their hand across the aisle. At least they're giving concessions on bills. At least they're trying to actually do the hard work of governing. And you're exactly right, Jordy. There's no incentive structure in the Republican Party to be rewarded for actually helping people. And instead, it's the opposite. Like if you were a Republican senator and the next big issue came up, right? And they go, Jordy, we want to put you in charge of this negotiation, you're going to look at Lankford and be like, I don't want to end up like this guy. Exactly. I don't want to end up public enemy number one, getting death threats, getting threatened by political commentators, getting all this hate on. So I don't need that stress. I don't need the hate directed at my family. I'm just going to sit this one out. That's the effect of all of it, right? The effect of it is to grind everything to a standstill. And at least the Democrats kind of treat Republicans with the seriousness that they deserve. Here was while they were speaking about this impeachment resolution, you had Jamie Raskin, right? And he was knocking Republicans for this resolution entirely. And he had to bring up also at the end, which I loved here, Marjorie Taylor Greene's inability to read the word indictable, which uh, we actually I caught that clip and it went viral because of the Midas Touch Network uh, last week. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene called it indictable crimes. She must have had Hunter Biden. Have you seen that clip, Jordy? <laughs> I did. I saw the clip. Yeah, she, she must have had Hunter Biden on the mind. Indictable like crimes. So Raskin uh, spoke about indictable crimes on the House floor. We're here because the madcap wild goose chase to impeach Joe Biden has produced no wild geese. Even Fox News is lampooning the fact that their own expert witnesses repeatedly say President Biden did nothing wrong and there are no grounds for impeachment. More than a dozen GOP members in Biden majority districts don't want to go anywhere near that fantasy production. So the Trump-Putin mega faction headed up by the distinguished general lady from Georgia has been given this worthless trinket of a consolation prize, the opportunity to bring a slapstick impeachment drive against a cabinet member of unimpeachable integrity who has obviously committed no treason, no bribery, no high crimes, no misdemeanors, nothing indictable or even indictable, if you prefer. Indictable crimes. Damn. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, when you have have a run of bad news like that, you gotta, you gotta cheer the the sheep up a little bit, right? You got, just got these people so angry and then you failed on all these bills, right? And then Johnson put forward this standalone Israel bill to try to screw over Ukraine by decoupling the two. He failed at that as well. So what do Republicans got to do? Jordy, you want to take a, a guess here? Oh, man. Uh, uh, you show me, B. It starts with Punter Titan. Oh, do they go Hunter Biden route, Brett? Oh, ding, 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 ding. You guys, as Donald Trump would say, ding, ding, dong, And so, yeah, so immediately, you know, you had James Comer once again going on TV. I was I was looking under my drawer and I found over here 
a Hunter Biden letter. And the Hunter Biden letter is linked to Jim Biden. And Jim Biden is linked on my spreadsheet. Yeah, we're, 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 we're at the stage right now where James Comer is inventing Bidens. Like, <laughs> like he's naming Bidens that don't going exist. Going through the family tree. Just being like, he, uh, yeah, like if, if your name is Biden and you live anywhere on planet Earth, James Comer is going to call you up and, and going to harass you a little bit, even if you have no actual relation. Uh, here, here, James Comer says he needs to hear from Tony Biden, who is not a person. <laughs> and and what I would like to know from Tony Biden is, is just exactly what Joe Biden's involvement was. Tony! No, Tony. Big Tone. They call him Big Tone. Tony. Bone Tony. Tony. Have you heard Tony? Have you heard from my whistle? <laughs> have you heard from my whistleblowers who are in China spying so, on America, Tony? <laughs> we talk about the incentive structure, right, or lack thereof of, of what's set up for the modern day Republican Party, and it, you could go the Langford route, where you want to try and be a serious Republican, and, and for for a moment at least, and try and pass a serious bill and work across the aisle, and you get shunned by the media and you get, you know, sort of cat, you know, just like yelled at and berated and threatened by these top political right-wing commentators, or you go the coma route and you appease these lunatics and you get invited on these different media shows, right? That's the incentive structure now for the Republican party. How much FaceTime can I get on Fox news? OIN, you name the right-wing channel. That's what they're fighting for. Not the American people, but their airtime. And there was a secretary of state candidate to that point in Missouri, I believe. We reported on this on MidasTouch.com. By the way, make sure you go to MidasTouch.com. We revamped uh, the website when I was going. We, we did, was yeah, awesome. we did, that, we did a website revamp, and the articles have been great. A lot, a lot of great content there. Check out MidasTouch.com. But this, this Missouri secretary of state candidate, uh, the Republican that's running, she released a video in which she made a homemade flamethrower and said that she took out books from the public. This all sounds like a crime, by the way. I think is a crime. She took out books from the public library that were LGBTQ themed, and she lit them on fire with a flamethrower and recorded the video. And that was the video she put out as to why you should vote for her. And she said, vote for me and I'll burn a lot more of these books when, uh, when I'm done with them. And to Jordy's point, what happened after that? She was invited on Jesse Waters' show, primetime on Fox News. So that is the incentive structure. Be as outrageous as possible. Be as anti-democratic, as fascist, as horrific as possible. Uh, but just to show you just how ridiculous this is, I'll play this one final Comer clip and then I'll move on from this. But uh, James Comer says he's now he's got a new investigation, Jordy. Mm. New investigation. He is investigating John Kerry. The climate czar for potentially colluding with environmental groups. Huh? And these environmental groups might be funded by, ooh, George Soros. Yeah, this is more evidence of uh, obstruction. The White House is obstructing our investigation. Look, no one knows what John Kerry authority was. No one knows what John Kerry uh, was negotiating when he would go to China. Joe Biden put him in a cabinet level position that he just created, but he, but yet he was never confirmed by the Senate. So no one knows really what his job was, but we know he went over there a lot. We also know, Rob, that he was colluding with these left-wing environmental organizations. We're trying to figure out who was funding these. We know some of these were Soros funded. Uh, we believe that some of them may have had some other uh, foreign infusions of cash from our enemies around the world. And every American knows that the Biden energy policy is a disaster. That's showing up 
in, in the polls. So we have a lot of questions, and, and just like everything else, the, they're, they're slow at turning over this investigation, uh, the, the information that we've requested. It's not classified. We just want to know exactly who John Kerry was colluding with and try to figure out uh, why he was doing that yeah. and what damage it's done to the American taxpayers. No, Who are all, you colluded with there, John Kerry? Who you? I mean, like setting aside the obvious stupidity of what he's saying, like objectively, the Biden's energy policy, just, like I'm not trying to fanboy for Biden. It's right. nothing short of like a brilliant strategy, the way they've balanced the reserves. You know how Trump and everyone's like, drill, baby, drill, drill, baby, drill. There's more domestic oil drilling under President Biden than there was under Donald Trump. And as Russia and Saudi Arabia are trying to manipulate the market, President Biden is strategically kind of utilizing this uh, incredible the, the, the drilling that's being done in order to kind of counteract the market manipulation that's trying to take place. Biden does this genius stuff with the strategic reserves, also refilling it and then selling it at like a profit. I mean, there's actually some real genius strategic- If you put the stuff on paper without names on the top, without political parties on the top, you'd be like, wow, this guy is blowing away whoever this other person is. Because- if you just look at the data, Biden is blowing Trump away on energy. Biden is blowing Trump away on all of these topics. Like it's 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 actually these are historical numbers, historic numbers that we are. You know seeing. what, Brett? Data. We love data here, and we know how smart our audience is. And in fact, I think you know audiences in general want to get smart news mm -hmm. mostly. But you know, if you go through the data, if you do your job as a journalist and actually educate people on what's up and show the charts and graphs like we do, you know, in our video and do the comparisons, I think that's one of the goals of media to inform. But you know what's easier than data? Drill, baby, drill, drill, baby, drill. You know, that's saying that over and over again is easier. Than data. So if you're a lazy journal, look, he said drill baby drill. So he must be the he must be drilling. He said drill baby drill. You know, and and fundamentally the message that needs to kind of get across, you know, and there is a messaging issue, you know, too, that you have to, you know, just kind of align the data and the great news that exists. Not all the news is great. When the news isn't great, you got to tell it like it is. But but some of the great metrics with the right kind of messaging and go out there and just speak the truth. Because in the absence of it, you've got this deluge of Trump and MAGA and the media love it. Oh, he said drill, baby, drill, drill, baby, drill. You know, it's like, no, you, you did a horrible, you did a horrible job. You're a loser, Donald Trump. And you just got to call it out over and over again, and you got to repeat it over and over again. Um, you know, and and I just think that's important. And and the data aligns with the messaging. So let's let's go. Let's just get it out there. Could not agree more, Ben. Could not agree more. And enough of just like these cable networks that will take one kind of story that they find salacious and they will run it nonstop every hour on the hour, learning zero mistakes from the Comey saga, learning zero <laughs> mistakes of the past. Like when you watch some of these blocks of TV, and, and I really don't like complaining about the cable news, but I try to watch it sometimes. I really I do. It. 
and and it's truthfully unwatchable. It's yep. truthfully unwatchable. There are select people like on MSNBC who I enjoy, but even MSNBC, which used to be getting it a little bit, has turned their entire morning block is pretty rough uh, until like the afternoon. Then there's maybe like one or two like decent hours. Then it gets really rough again. Like you look at the majority of the days. I like morning Joe. You I, like morning morning Joe I like morning yeah, Joe too. I, I, I wake up with no, morning Joe. I like Joe. morning Joe. Then it takes a downturn. Yeah. Then it usually picks back up sometime in the afternoon. Then it usually takes another downturn. Then it usually picks back up if like a Maddow's on. By the something. way, sometimes <laughs> the downturns look like Fox. Like there's like yeah, oh you gosh, could, yeah. yeah, totally. If you put MSNBC, CNN, and Fox during some of like it, 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 it kind of looks you know because they're looking at each other. They're looking at the same stories. How do we tell that same story? Yes. And it's often driven by <laughs> drill, baby, drill, and right wing propaganda versus the data driven stuff like. They wake up and they go, all right, what right-wing propaganda are we going to have to like react to today or get those points out or what's Fox doing versus why don't you just wake up? Like I never look at what the media is doing when we program here. I look at what court filings are out there. Yep. I look at the data and that's how we decide, okay, well, this data is out. That's that. Let's talk about this. I, I, I could not agree more. Well, Jordy, it's been so great. Jordy, great show with you. Episode, great show. Jordy, for the after show, for the after show, I know, I'm, I'm, uh-oh. This, yeah, for Uh-oh. the after show, you know what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to share, you're going to have to Photos? Share. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, like, I almost feel bad promoting the after show and telling people to join, because <laughs> I know everyone's going to want to join it, so I feel bad, like, saying, if you want to learn about Jordy's uh, baby stories, you have to join Patreon, but that's why I was like, uh, well, anyway, it, it supports the growth of the network. It totally we'll does. Ask, we'll ask Jordy about everything. So if you want to hear all of the baby stories from Jordy, we couldn't get to it in the show, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We're not funded by outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network. So the way we grow this independent media platform are through those pro-democracy sponsors, the discount codes in the description below. Shout out to all of them. Jordy, you do an amazing job selecting them and bringing those to the network. The other way we grow our network is through those emojis. Unlock the emojis by becoming a YouTube member. You hit that dollar sign below and you can actually gift people memberships. And the other way we grow the network is through our Patreon and we do exclusive after shows there and Zoom meetings. And so Jordy will share the baby stories at <laughs> patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We will devote it all to that. Jordy, I'll give you the final words before wow. we go. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! The Midas Mighty standing strong Against the fascists we sing our song At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.